Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life-ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our MSEC podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Tara Gleason. I'm the podcast producer and a program manager for the Military Child Education Coalition. I'm also a parent to three military kids and the spouse of an active duty service member. Today, we're going to learn some tips as a parent on how we can talk to our children about coronavirus, COVID-19, and how we can help. I would like to welcome Dr. Archna Basu, clinical psychologist in the Child and Adolescent Psychiatry Division at Mass General Hospital for Children to the podcast. Dr. Basu's research and patient care focus on understanding the impact of trauma and severe stress on children and families and ways to enhance protective factors that promote resilience in the face of such adversities. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tara, for the opportunity to join this dialogue with your listeners as all of us figure out ways to support our children and families and also ourselves through this pandemic. Can we start by you sharing a little bit about COVID-19 and its mental health impact? So per the World Health Organization or WHO, COVID-19 is an infectious disease caused by newly discovered coronavirus. Based on available information, the outbreak originated in China in December 2019, and as per estimates available today, this virus has infected more than 375,000 people in over 196 countries or regions and resulted in more than 16,300 confirmed deaths. On March 11th, the WHO declared the COVID-19 outbreak to be a pandemic, And according to epidemiologists, a pandemic refers to sustained community-level transmission of the virus on two or more continents. On March 13th, a U.S. national emergency was declared over COVID-19. Unfortunately, but perhaps not surprisingly, researchers the world over are also beginning to document the mental health impact of the pandemic, which is now believed to be an emerging public health crisis. So based on prior research on mass disasters and available information from this pandemic, we are learning of increased rates of anxiety. There are concerns about the impact of uh, social isolation and loneliness as we follow public health guidelines to practice physical distancing to contain the spread of the virus. There are also concerns about the impact of the instability caused by disruptions to our daily lives with respect to work or school or our ability to travel. Families are reporting a sense of loss as community as access to school or to extended families such as grandparents or faith-based communities becomes limited or certainly um, they are not available in the traditional sense. So during this time, boredom, worry, frustration, 
and also perhaps becoming more attuned to sensations in one's own body and thinking of those as indications of contracting the disease are commonly documented reactions to a disease outbreak. Finally, this pandemic has been uniquely challenging and painful for those who may have lost family members or loved ones for whom the viral infection was fatal, especially because at times families may not have been able to gather together as they typically would for funeral rituals, either because of travel restrictions or because of personal safety concerns. You you talked about this a little bit, but many families are feeling quite a bit of stress and anxiety under the current circumstances with the coronavirus and are also struggling to know how to talk to their kids about it. So we at MSEC believe that parents should share age-appropriate information with their children, and this instance with the coronavirus is no different. Can you share what types of communication can take place between parents and their children at each of the developmental levels and suggested points to emphasize when parents are talking to their children. That's exactly right, Tara. Um, I think open and age-appropriate communication can be very helpful for children. And um, this is really an important concern for parents and really any adults who consistently care for kids. Overall, research suggests that when we talk to kids in an honest, factual manner using age-appropriate words, it can be helpful because it allows them to make sense of their own experiences and also to know that they can come to their parents or caregivers with their questions or concerns. Of course, what this looks like for a teenager or a young adult will be quite different than a preschooler. So with adolescents or young adults, um, you know, they can understand information much like adults. They might get information through friends, through social media or other online sources or the television. They may also be more likely to seek other sources of information or support um, rather than their parents. This is pretty typical for teens. So with teenagers, I would say the key is to listen and listen some more. Uh, parents can also invite them to join them in watching uh, and discussing the news or online information about the coronavirus. Such open dialogues help parents to know also the emotional impact of this information on their kids and to consider ways of supporting them, including keeping an eye on whether they might need additional professional mental health support. For younger kids, um, school-age kids, approximately six years to preteen, um, they're much more likely to have um, questions that are not quite at the level of adolescents, but certainly more than preschoolers. With them, giving them simple and factual explanation and uh, providing opportunities to explore their feelings and ask questions can be helpful. Also reassuring the kids that you as their parents and, and also their schools are doing what is best to keep them safe is important to help them understand why physical distancing is necessary. Preschoolers, um, so about three to five years of age, um, they usually understand very basic ideas about germs and being sick. So with them providing brief factual explanations and focusing more on hygiene behaviors, washing hands, um, coughing into a tissue, um, those types of things would be the key focus. 
And finally, I'll just add that um, infants and toddlers who do not have a language-based understanding of the coronavirus or its effect can still sense if a caregiver is worried, sad, or upset. So although children this age cannot use words to describe their feelings, they may instead be more fussy or show changes in their sleep or feeding patterns. I would think that too, sometimes we see that when kids have any kind of big change and there's certainly been quite a bit of change in recent weeks around the, the pandemic. So even some extra clinginess and things like that as well. So teens in particular, through peers and social media, do have access to all kinds of information, but it's not always factual. Where can families find reliable information to share with their children about the coronavirus? This is a really common concern for parents at all times. And the challenge is really of managing media and internet exposure. I mean, the key is really to stay informed without getting overwhelmed especially when right now so much of our social contact while we are practicing social distancing is through technology and often online. So usually I, I you know, think about it as starting with just asking kids what they may have heard. So kind of ask, don't assume. And children who use social media or have online access and even younger kids with older siblings, they're likely to hear a lot of information from different sources. And as you said, some of that information may not be accurate. So when we ask kids about what they have heard, it, those, uh, that creates uh, important opportunities to clarify misunderstandings and to help remind them that they and your uh, family can, what they can do to be safe and to be helpful. Second, parents can discuss the importance of getting information from trusted sources, as you said. So the first important thing is identifying age-appropriate sources. So for younger kids, that is likely to be parents or extended family members or teachers. There are some news organizations such as the National Public Radio website that have created child-friendly comics for kids who are interested in exploring the new coronavirus that might be particularly suited for younger school-age kids. Uh, besides these, for adolescents, the World Health Organization or the Centers for Disease Control or local public health organizations can provide reliable and up-to-date information. I think it's also important to talk to kids about the fact that focusing too much on media and online information may not be helpful and in fact can cause more anxiety. So finding ways to balance being safe and informed and also to be relaxed are all important. I'm also hearing from parents that screen time is increasing for kids as they stay home from school, and this is to be expected, but we can also provide some other healthy choices like watching a family, favorite family movie together. The last thing I would say is that one of the other things that parents can do is to model healthy habits for their kids by limiting their own time watching TV and being online. And I think also, Parents monitoring our level anxiety from the too much information on media. I was, I live on the installation and a neighbor had said something to me and I said, I had to cut myself off for a little bit. So I'm like, I know I'm going to hear about it, but even like, I think it's good modeling also that if, if it's getting too much, let's take a break from the media. We all, it's beautiful down here in Texas today and we all took a family walk. So again, kind of modeling those healthy habits 
And you mentioned the comic for kids. I work for the Military Student Transition Consultant. Um, they're MSTCs within the school. And I've seen some of those comics go through. And I think the one I saw was for teens and they are excellent. What else can we be doing as parents during this time? Well, um, I would say perhaps one of the most important things we can do right now for our kids is to pay attention to how they're feeling and to remind ourselves that, you know, as parents, we do know our children pretty well. What I mean by that is that um, we can, you know, explore how our kids are feeling, what they have heard, and explore what questions they may have. Because kids of all ages usually have questions that are quite specific to their own experience. So, for example, uh, younger kids are much more likely to have questions about changes to their own family's plans. So, if there have been any birthday parties or any upcoming vacations or trips that have been canceled, uh, that might be something that they are focused on. Um, older kids may be worrying about homework and finishing up the school year. I've been hearing from parents of college returned uh, young adults that are now home that they're talking about a sense of loss around the senior year ending on this note, especially as graduation ceremonies are going online or being postponed or canceled. So knowing what you know, your own kids are most concerned about is key. And then as I said, it's helpful to remind ourselves that we do in fact know our children well. You know, considering the age and kind of temperament or personality of each of our kids can be helpful because, you know, different kids respond differently to the same information. You know, siblings may also defer in their reactions to the same piece of information. And so, you know, you might notice that your children's moods or behaviors are different than usual because experiencing these extra worries can affect how they're thinking and feeling, and perhaps their motivation for school or other behaviors. And this can be especially important if you know, your child has an existing mental health condition. The other thing that we can do in addition to exploring and trying to understand how our kids are feeling is to provide realistic assurance and find some healthy ways of coping of the sort that you were just mentioning. So we can start by validating our kids' concerns or feelings, for example, it's understandable and okay that they may be worried or frustrated or sad. These are understandable emotional responses to such a situation. And then follow that up with some realistic assurance. So with kids of all ages, parents could say something along the lines of doctors are telling us right now that the best way to stay healthy is by washing our, our hands often or by catching your cough in your elbow or by using a tissue. With older kids, um, especially if they have no pre-existing health conditions, parents could consider saying something like, you know, this virus usually does not make kids very sick, but it can make some grown-ups very sick. I generally recommend that parents avoid saying to kids, you have nothing to worry about, because that could be confusing for them and also perhaps unrealistic. Then the other thing that you noted was planning for positive activities to help your kids cope with these challenging emotions can be very helpful. So this could, of course, include a range of things like meeting together, playing, or being physically active in the backyard, considering creative ways of just staying connected with friends and family while practicing physical distancing, I think is very important. So this could take the form of a good old fashioned phone call or video chatting or with younger ones, maybe making cards or writing emails or letters. 
just finding ways to help kids stay emotionally connected to the people that they care about. One last thing that I'd like to highlight is something that parents ask a lot about is, you know, is how important is it to balance flexibility with maintaining routines? And this is something that we can kind of plan for and think about. Um, even though we need to be flexible to adapt to all the changes in our work life or with school schedules, trying to maintain some normal routines, um, like a consistent sleep routine or a routine for schoolwork can be very helpful. Also prioritizing routines involving family time, such as through meal times or having a standing family meeting just to check in can be important. Familiar routines help kids feel a sense of stability and predictability, which can be especially helpful when other aspects of life feel out of control or unpredictable. I was speaking to another parent today that suggested that family meeting and the family she was referring to did that every morning because I was telling her that our family hasn't gotten into our rhythm and our routine yet. We actually start our school, online school tomorrow. So up until this point, I'm like, I'm not sure what our days are going to look like. I thought that was an excellent suggestion that every morning we could have our family meeting and we talk about what our routine's going to be that day and kind of what our schedule's like that day. So I think that's an excellent suggestion. And then you were talking about creative ways to stay connected. Just today, we had some neighbors. In our neighborhood, people are writing uh, chalk on the sidewalk. So everyone keep, is keeping their social distance and ca calling across the street to each other. But a few of the kids' classmates were up front writing them chalk messages on the sidewalk. And I thought, man, that was a really clever way for that mom to come and leave messages for my kids and getting them writing and out and, and getting some exercise. So certainly more families are being creative in this time as well. That's a really creative idea. So we know that self-care is so important for caregivers, especially during times of stress. Do you have any recommendations for parents when it comes to taking care of themselves? Um, absolutely. I think this issue is especially important one right now because, you know, generally speaking, parents and really any consistent adult caregivers are one of the most important sources of support for our children. But right now, when our kids' access to other sources of support are limited, our presence can be even more powerful. Unfortunately, as parents, we are usually not that great at prioritizing our own needs. You know, we think often of our kids' needs, what we need to do for our jobs or other family members, and then we're lucky if we get five hours of sleep at night. But, you know, now more than ever, reminding ourselves that we are the primary source of support for our kids and that this is an emotional marathon makes it extremely important to focus on our own self-care. So I would say that the most important thing we can do is to be mindful of ourselves and tune into our own emotional states to know when we need to take a break and also to intentionally plan for ways to support ourselves. Also remember, kids often learn to respond to stressful situations from adults, usually parents. So taking care of ourselves is also a way of supporting our kids. One way to think about this is to think of resilience for ourselves and our kids as a process of building consistent coping mechanisms or practices. So intentionally making plans to refuel yourself, whether that is by being physically active, making sure that you prioritize getting good sleep at night, staying emotionally connected to loved ones through technology, 
or other things that you talked about. Treating yourself is also not a bad idea at this time, you know, just giving yourself a bit of a break every now and then. Sometimes families uh, have talked to me about how they plan to do some mindfulness activities because we know that mindfulness is, has been shown to promote emotional self-awareness and that helps us to respond to what we might be feeling rather than reacting to it. At times, you know, doing something good for someone else. So for example, in the past few days, I have heard a number of different really inspiring stories, but one of them in particular was about some people helping to run errands for their elderly neighbors while maintaining physical distance. They would just leave their, uh, they would shop for them and leave the groceries at their doorstep. And this was their way of helping, uh, helping their neighbors and in that way helping the elderly limit exposure to public places. I would just also like to add that, you know, it's helpful to remind ourselves that we're not going to get it right each time. We will not always have a calm, perfect response to our kids' needs. And it's important to forgive yourself. You know, mistakes are teachable moments and kids can learn from that too. And, you know, daily interactions offer plenty of opportunities to return and repair whatever we feel we wish we had done differently. We're not going to know all the answers, but um, parents and caregivers can certainly model how to try and figure it out. And I think um, that's perhaps more important than trying to get it right each time. Those are such great points that you've brought up there. And I think it is hard in this time. We have several parent-to-parent teams at MSEC, and some of the parents have written, you know, we're trying to share some of the positive things that happen in the day, but we're a lot of people are being transparent, too, of saying exactly what you've said, like, oh, man, I really felt like I blew it today. But starting the next day as the new day and apologizing and moving on and, and just letting that slide off is just, mm-hmm. is, is just excellent advice. So thank you so much for that. Are there any other final words or advice that you'd like to share with our listeners? You know, as parents um, or caregivers raising kids in the midst of this generation-defining experience of the COVID-19 pandemic, there are a couple of things that come to my mind personally. First, that right now it is clear that responsible action as a community is the answer. We need to find ways to connect as a community to get through this and to support our children's resilience. And we can help our kids understand the needs to maintain physical distance while practicing social solidarity. And although physical distancing poses a challenge to our kind of fundamental need as humans to seek connection in times of stress, we know that technology offers us many, many possibilities to do that. We can remind ourselves and our kids that following these public health guidelines for physical distancing is both responsible and also an act of love and compassion for those who may be particularly at risk, such as the elderly or families with medical vulnerabilities. Although we don't know when this pandemic will end, we know that it will end, and we as parents can influence what our children take forward from it. What this means for each family or child will be different, but I do think that this is an important teachable moment in history and each one of us has a chance to be a responsible community member right now. And lately I've been talking to some youth as well, some high school seniors, and I do wonder also if we're gonna end up finding that there's some positive outcomes to this family time, in particular for our teens who have felt 
quite a bit of stress sometimes in school with the multiple demands, with social demands, and now they're having time to just relax and unwind with their families. And so it's interesting to me, and it will be interesting moving forward to see, I believe, what we could see as positive outcomes coming from this as well. I want to thank you so much, Dr. Basu, for sharing these tips with us today on our podcast. I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us. Please like, rate, and review this podcast. Be sure to follow us so that you can get access to our podcast first and exclusive access to special episodes. Please reach out to us with your comments or questions and also with topics you'd like to hear discussed in future podcasts. Thank you for listening and join us again next week. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.